But we're continuing on the series called Created to Lead. And we're going to look over a little bit that we touched last week, but we're going to move specifically today about how we need to lead our own lives first. Now, we were created to lead from the beginning of time. We were created to manage this earth, and we were created in the image or likeness of a God who's a great leader. That is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it, or lead it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So you and I were created to lead. You see, the very first thing, the first person you will lead is yourself. Now, obviously, today I'm going to specifically look at your role and what God requires of you to lead yourself. But obviously, we understand this is all on a foundation of He is the leader of leaders. The Lord Jesus is the one who ultimately leads us all. You see, he's the chief shepherd. But here's the thing about a shepherd. The sheep choose to follow him. Shepherds don't beat the sheep. Shepherds don't tie a rope on the sheep and drag them. Our chief shepherd won't drag us. But sheep choose to follow. So we're going to focus a little bit today on you leading you. Your life. The Bible has a lot to say about our choices that we make for ourselves. You see, we must choose wisdom. If you're going to lead a life that's abundant and a life of following Jesus, you need to choose wisdom. Without wisdom, you will struggle. Proverbs 16 and verse 16 says this, How much better to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Choose wisdom. I said this last week. If you're still in high school, finish high school. Wisdom is important. Don't be like, I'll just take an oil field job for a while. Finish high school first because every other job is going to want to know if you finished. Now, if you're here today and you didn't finish it, and you don't have that opportunity, just go forward as best you can. But if opportunity comes for you to gain wisdom, you know, there's some uh, in our province, you can get funding for some schooling and going back to school and upgrading. Get wisdom. Go for it. One of the wisest men in the Bible, of course, was Solomon. Solomon went to God and he prayed and talked to God, and God came to him and said, ask me whatever you want, I'm going to give it. And Solomon obviously had a little bit of wisdom already, because instead of asking for stuff or more money, he said, Lord, I need wisdom. And God gave him amazing wisdom, and he said, because you asked for wisdom, all the rest is going to come as well. In 1 Kings chapter 4 and 29, we read this. 1 Kings 4, 29. God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded all, that of all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. 
including Ethan the Ezrite and the sons of Mahal, Heman, Calcol, and Darda. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. Solomon was wise, and apparently wise people write songs. So I don't know if anybody here has written a song, but you are wise. If you've written a thousand years, wise is Solomon. Okay. But let's continue on. You see, choose wisdom first. Secondly, you're leading your own life. Okay, you've chosen wisdom. Some of you have gone to college for your job position. But you chose wisdom. Now the second thing, choose life. Okay, because you can get wisdom, but you also need to lead yourself in a way that God says brings life. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's the key to your life? Choosing to follow him. Choosing to follow his ways. It's the key to long life. It's the key to full, abundant life. Now, when we choose life, there's some specific things we need to choose or lead ourselves forward in. And the next one we need to choose to think thoughts that bring life. And I'm going to focus mostly on this point today, and then we'll quickly get a couple other points. So this is going to be our main focus, choosing thoughts that bring life. Your thoughts matter. Okay, this is, I believe, the first and most important area of leadership in your life, of course, second to following Jesus. But once you've said, yes, I want to follow Jesus, you don't just sit as like a lump on a log and do nothing. Too often, we've worked hard to help people find Jesus. Woo, you prayed the prayer. And then we tell them nothing else. And they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? My whole life I did this, 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 and that. Now what am I supposed to do? And they sit there doing nothing for a while, and they're like, forget it. So we want to take time in church to help you grow as well, to help you move forward into the new things God has. And this, as you lead your life, matters. What's going on up here? Philippians 4, 8 tells us some things we should think about, some things that will help us and help us move forward. Philippians 4, 8, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Catch the things he said to focus your thoughts on here. He didn't say focus your thoughts on everything that's going wrong. He didn't say focus your thoughts on the problems you hear about or can find. He didn't say focus your thoughts on your faults or your spouse's faults. Read it again. What's going on in here matters. You see, there is a world of stuff that we can focus our thoughts on if we want. But he said, choose these. Proverbs 23 verse 7 is a powerful verse that says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. 
Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You see, people can fake it on the outside. They can say the right words, even do the right things, but it's what's inside is who they really are. Even as a person thinks in their heart, that's who they are. This is key. This is important. What you think matters. Romans 1 and verse 18. Here's a verse that talks about unrighteousness, but then it gets to where it all begins. So it's a little bit longer portion, but stay with me here and I'll explain it. Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So he starts off by saying, hey, there's judgment coming for unrighteousness. But now he's going to tell us how this came about. What happened? Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So simply a lot of words to say that no person alive who cares to search it out can say there's no God. Looking at creation, looking at science, going through it, you will come to the point where you realize there has got to be some kind of creator. So this is what he's saying in that portion of the scripture. They're without excuse. He's all around. His evidence of him being the one, it's everywhere. Verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Hey, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Be thankful. Then listen to what he says. This is where all the unrighteousness came from. This is where all the junk began. But they became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Wow. They became futile in their thoughts first, and their hearts became darkened. You can look through Scripture, and you will see that the heart isn't actually speaking of this pumping, beating thing. It's talking about the inner you, the real you. And it's also, sometimes they go back and forth between mind and heart in Scripture. Okay, so it's talking about you, your thoughts, your mind, who you are. They became futile in their thoughts. They began to go down trails. They began to think things that didn't line up with God's Word. I want you to remember something. Every word spoken and every action taken was first a thought. Think about that. I know some of you, your kids used to say, don't speak without thinking. But honestly, you can't have words come out without it first going through your brain as a thought. So do thoughts matter? Yes, they do. Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 6 and verse 43. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bamboo bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Okay, let's look at the picture the way he said it. Every one of you has a treasure chest inside. He's calling it the heart. We know that's also the mind or the thoughts. 
Every one of you has a treasure chest in there. What are you filling it with? Because you will most definitely take from there when you speak. I know you can fake it if you want for a while, but in pressure times, the real you is going to come out and you're going to take from that treasure chest. So fill it with what you want to come out down the road. Fill it with the kinds of things we read about in Philippines 4.8. Things that are excellent, things that are good. Dwell and focus on that. We can replace things that are unhealthy with things that are good. Romans 12 verse 1 says this. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So again, he's talking about actions, but now in the next verse he goes down to where all actions come from. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Another version says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wow. Well, no, I just want to pray and have God do like a supernatural miracle. I I don't want to do any hard work. Renew my mind. Church, you bet there's a spiritual side to what we're talking about. We live in a world that is spiritual, but there's also a natural side. And as believers, you can't just pray a prayer once a week and ignore the things God asks us to do. And today, specifically, I'm encouraging you, start up here. It needs to be made new. You need new paths. You need new thought patterns. You need to allow God to do it. You see, there's a battle going on, and according to Scripture, the biggest battle there is, is fought right here. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says this, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We don't have carnal weapons because you can't change what you're thinking with a bomb. You can't fight this battle by smacking yourself in the head. Has anybody ever tried that? It doesn't work. Listen. This battle is spiritual, but it's also in your thoughts. So what do we do? We cast down imaginations that don't line up with what he says. We take captive thoughts that are against his will and his purpose. I was reading a book here the other day, and actually it's a book that one of the ladies' life group is doing, And my wife was part of it, and she left the book on the kitchen table, and I thought the cover looked interesting, so I read the whole book. But anyhow, (laughs) (laughs) it was a good book, and it's talking, the book is actually titled, if you're wondering, Get Out of Your Head. There's a lot in the book, but there was one point that stood out to me, and she was talking about the science of what happens in the brain. The fact that there are some 85 
million neurons in your brain and those neurons are made up of smaller particles with a long name that I forgot and those particles structure the neuron cells. And science has discovered that they build and restructure continually. Get this. They build and restructure continually according to your thoughts. Oh yes, your thoughts change your brain. And they have discovered this and they've actually timed it and they have seen that a thought can cause these particles to restructure a neuron in 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And as she wrote in the book, I might scare some of you are thinking, oh, I'm going to wreck my life in 10 minutes. No. <laughs> a negative thought's going to wear. She said, think of it this way. In 10 minutes, you can refresh. You can think what the Lord wants you to think. And then they went on to say that scientifically, they know that there are paths in your brain. Said you can look at it like a trail or a path of thought that continues. And the more it's used, the more likely that's the path that your thoughts will go. In other words, if you continually want to think a certain direction, you do that often enough, it's a natural, easy way for your thoughts to go. I'm just going to throw out a random thing. Let's say these thoughts, oh, I'm not very good. You know, I, I'm ugly, I, I'm useless. Maybe someone spoke that to you when you were a kid and that started the trail. Now every time something doesn't work out, you think those thoughts again. Before long, you have a highway to that muddy watering hole. And you can go there without even trying because of the path, the thought path you have. You need to renew that. You need to choose a different thought path. Scripture said, how do you do that? You cast down the thought. You take captive the thought that's going to take you down that trail. Here's what I mean. Let's say that's a thought path you've been going down and now it's so often you're just walking in Walmart and somebody gives you a look and you're like, oh, that was a dirty look. They must not like me. Oh, I'm just so ugly. Nobody, you know, boom. Now, instead, here's what you do. You think they gave you a dirty look. Catch the thought. You know what? They don't even know me. They're probably just not having a good day. And then I choose a different path. Lord, I thank you that I don't have to go down the old path because you made me perfect. You made me in your image. I'm your child. You care about me so much, you sent your son to die for me. You've put gifts inside of me that are still growing. You have given me a promise, and you have said, yes, I will use your life. A totally different path. When you first start making a different path, it isn't always easy. Because that other highway is so good to go. You know your brains work like that. You know, I can drive from the church to my house and back and wonder how I got there. Okay, I don't suggest doing that. But what happens? Our brains have this path that they just do it. The whole time I was thinking about the message and the next thing I'm turning off the key at the house, I'm like, thank you, Lord, there was no pedestrians. That might not have been in my thought path. We know our brains do that. They do that with so many things. And God says, renew your mind so that it goes in the direction that he would have it to go. So we need to choose to take authority 
over our thoughts by the power of Jesus. And when we do that, we begin to lead our lives well. There's another one. It just kind of dropped in my spirit. I'm going to share it. Did you know that some people, the way they were raised, they have a thought path that leads to poverty. Because whenever they were growing up, they always heard, we don't have enough. Well, we'll never have anything. And maybe they even heard, well, it's these people's fault. Or it doesn't matter, the path is created. And you know what happens when someone has that thought path quickly? When something good begins to happen? Oh, this job obviously won't last because that's the way it's. And the job ends up not lasting because, as we're going to see, thoughts become words and words become actions. People actually sabotage their own lives because of ingrained thought patterns. You've got to renew your mind, church. You've got to renew it. You've got to get off the old trail and get on a new one. All right, your thoughts matter because your thoughts will become words and eventually actions. So let's quickly go through two more points. We need to choose to speak words that bring life. And this is going to be a lot easier if we've already taken thought captive our thoughts. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in your tongue. Your words matter. Philippians 4 and verse 6, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. There we go, Thanksgiving. Did you know that being thankful is actually speaking words of life? Well, let me finish the scripture. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Be thankful. You want to bring life to others around you? Tell them thanks. If you're a boss, tell your workers thanks, but you did a great job. Those bring life to people. Being thankful, like we're going to do this weekend, some of you are here with family, you're going to get around the table, you're going to pray, and you're going to thank God for what he did. You're bringing life into your family. Maybe some of you take opportunity to thank one another for what they've done over the year. Bring life into people by thanking them. Thank them for who they are. Thank them for what a blessing they are to you. You know, you can find something to be thankful for anybody. Even the person that annoys you the most. If you want to, you can. Yeah, I'm so thankful you have really nice shoes. I don't know, pick something. You can do it. <laughs> it's a different thought path. And it's important. James 3 and verse 2. All of us do many wrong things. But if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. Let me read that again. All of us do many wrong things. He's saying people mess up. But if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. This is an amazing verse. So what is this saying? If you're always shooting off at the mouth, you're immature. If you can't control what you're saying, you're immature. Now, I can preach this. I've been there. I've not always done it right. Passionate people sometimes speak it out, but it shows immaturity. And we have to mature in that way. So what am I saying? 
If you're always telling everybody whatever, that's immaturity. Don't be like, well, that's just my personality. I tell it like it is. No, you're immature. Well, I come from a gen- long generation of, of women who just speak their mind. You're being immature. Sorry, ladies. Long line generation of men who just boss people around. No, you're being immature. A sign of maturity is that you can control this. You can say, I don't need to say that. So let's continue to grow in that because your words bring life or death to yourself and to those around you. You know, when we talk about taking hold of the thought, it automatically helps with what we're speaking. Because if in your thought you're like, man, this person's mad at me, they don't like me, boy, they're attacking me, if that's the thought process you go right away, you're going to start fighting. But if you instead grab a hold of that, wait a minute, this person's needing to tell me how they're feeling. You know what? I think this person is really hurting. And they trust me enough to hear it. Wow. I don't need to fight now. I'm actually going to speak words to encourage them. I'm going to speak words that might be able to help them. There's some couples right now getting a revelation. They're like, my spouse must trust me a lot. Everybody's like, don't say anything. Spouses, if one of your spouses told you everything, they just let it all out, guaranteed they trusted you or they wouldn't have. If you're like, seems like I'm the only person they really emotionally tell everything and seem like they're upset. If you're the only person, it's because you're the only person they trust. And maybe if they had more opportunity, they wouldn't do it all upset. You'd be able to just talk through things more. But look at it that way. They trust you. They trust you. They trust you. Men, let me tell you something a little bit. Women often are more emotional than men. Do I have an amen in the house? No, okay. (laughs) Every husband right now is just smiling. They're like, I don't know what to say. (laughs) I could get in trouble here. They often are. But when they trust you their spouse, you are the right person for them to be emotional with. So encourage them and make more opportunity. If emotions are over the top, it's because there's not enough opportunity. Okay, men? So give them opportunity. Now, wives, this is not an excuse to go crazy and be angry at your husband every day. No. You can also learn how to say it and how to bless them. Okay i got to move on. This counseling and coaching stuff gets me nervous. I sometimes pray after, Lord, please don't let couples go home and fight because of something I said. Please bless them. All right. We're going to move through. We're going to wrap up in the next five minutes. We talked about our words, how important it is finally. We need to take action that will bring life. Do you understand? I'm asking you to lead yourself first. You're leading in your thought life. You're leading what you speak. You've got to also lead your own actions or how can you lead other people? And we're going to get to that in another message. So choose to take action that brings life. James 2 verse 20 says, Do you know, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Works and actions are part of what you believe. When you believe something strong enough, you will act on it. So actions are important. Matthew 7, 21. 
Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. See, Jesus said your actions matter. Don't just talk about it, also act on it. Now, I have no idea today what you're thinking about or what you're believing for, but I can tell you this. You can think about it, you can talk about it, but if you don't step out and take action, it will never happen. You see, actions are the key to unlocking faith that produces. Yes, it's got to start in the thought. Yes, you've got to speak it. Don't stop there. Take action. Because I've found out that great leaders don't just think and talk about life. They also take positive action. You want to change in your family? Think about it, talk about it, and start making some steps. Action. Nowhere in Scripture does it say if you complain about something long enough, it'll change. Scripture doesn't say it. In life, it doesn't work. Complaining about something long enough doesn't change it. You will never change your spouse by complaining more. You make a wedge. You'll cause a little bit of division. Complain long and hard. You'll get a wall start to build. Think about it. Talk about it. Start taking some steps. Complaining usually means you're not happy about something, so why instead not talk about what could we do to make this work better? Because you're amazing, and I know together we can make this different. Why is this bugging me so much? Have the conversation. Complaining or nagging doesn't change the way you want it to. It can change your relationship, though, in a bad way. Okay? If you can take something from this, though, your life is going to be better. Begin to lead your life. Take action. All right, I'm going to wrap up with this. I don't know everybody here today, so I need to say this. The most important choice for your life that you can ever make is to follow Jesus. See, Jesus called out to people and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That was in Mark chapter 117. And when you choose to follow Jesus, you are choosing to follow the greatest leader of all time. The greatest leader. You see, a leader who said, if you follow me, I'm going to give you abundance. John 10, 10, he said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Matthew 11 and verse 28, Jesus looked at the crowd and he said, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Uh Uh-huh. He looked out the church door and said, hey, come, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. If your burden's too heavy, he didn't give it to you. You see, Jesus was the greatest leader of all time. Scripture tells us he was the chief shepherd, the Lord of heaven's armies, the king of kings and Lord of lords. There's no greater leader. He wasn't a dictator. He didn't force or terrorize people to follow him. He loved them. He said he was their friend, and he showed them how. That's a great leader. And he wants to lead your life. He wants to show you how to lead and to lead others eventually. So how do we do that? It's simple. 
If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you believe it in your heart and you speak it with your mouth, you'll be saved. So every week, we make opportunity for you to speak it with your mouth. In your heart today, maybe you're saying, I do want to serve God. I don't understand it all, but I want to. Begin with this prayer. So we're going to do that now, and I ask everybody to join me because I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. So just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Use my life. I am saved. Amen. Give God praise for that.